Good day from down under, where the extraordinary heat of summer is warming my testicles to the point of explosion. Just kidding, I'm in Victoria, where it's almost as cold as the top secret private practice podcast studio location, somewhere in London. I've just finished hanging kangaroo penises on the Christmas tree, I'm halfway through a bottle of Grampian Shiraz. And my pet koala is dressed in a saucy Mrs. Santa Claus bikini, so, it's time to play the Guardian existentialist philosopher-themed Christmas special. Oh dear, hang on, I need to charge my speaker. Where did I put the cable? Okay. Boom, it's Christmas. Well, seeing as it's Christmas and um, at my end here at the Private Practice Podcast Studio in Melbourne, Australia, it's now coming up to 20 to 10 in the evening. And so, like last year, I'm going to be the one with a Christmas tipple. But unlike last year, this time it's going to be way more sophisticated. I want you to imagine you're in the apartment of Fraser from the... From Fraser. Yeah, I was, I was just trying to think. I'm just going to assume that all of our listener has watched Fraser and knows what I'm talking about. They, they all have. They are have. And so I have here a vintage canister, not canister, what do you call it? Decanter. Decanter. Mm-hmm. And I have here a very fine glass with with those sort of like fancy granite stones that don't dilute the drink. They just chill it. Nice. And so very for nice. the benefit of the listener, I'm just going to pour it right here so that you get the full impression. not sure that it was a bit shit but what is that you're drinking there uh i'm not going to drink all of this that's way too much that's not why i asked it's cognac really so my christmas tipple this year cheers is cheers. a glass of cognac that's the shittest start to any podcast that has ever been recorded so how do we normally start this you say something i say hello and welcome to private practice podcast it's the christmas edition 2022 and I'm James Hall in Melbourne. Yeah, you do usually start by laughing like a freak and saying irrelevant things, and then about 10 minutes in, we restart. Yeah, I'm just also aware that I'm very loud, so maybe what I did just now was not a good idea. Wait, you're you're only just aware now that you're very loud? Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots coming up in this show, and it's going to be very exciting, and Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's almost too much to list, and um, it's probably going to take us about four hours to get through maybe six and um it's going to be the it's probably going to be the biggest episode ever and just more superlatives but um let's start with dan this is season number i don't know probably eight or nine isn't it and episode number probably 743 
<laughs> so it depends how the listener wants to think of this, really. Either we're midway through season eight on Becoming a Person. Or yes, we yes, had... we are. We are. We are. We are. We are. That's where we are. Or we had season eight that was the first half of On Becoming a Person and we're about Mm -hmm. to do season nine, which is the second half of On Becoming a Person. I'll let the listener decide for themselves. I mean, I won't because obviously I will decide because I'm the divine only child. And so I have also decided um, lots of other things. Uh, Mainly for this Christmas special, it's exactly the same as last year. I thought last year was a total success, and so I've changed almost nothing. Brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic news. <laughs> Could you just maybe just edit in what I said last year so I can get back on with what I need to be doing this morning? Oh, also, do you just want to give some context about um, the fact that you have your brand new cleaner? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Gem introduce herself either by the power of vacuum or asking a question at some point throughout the show. Yeah. Okay. So you don't you just you don't want to uh, give the listener any context as to what no, might be going it will on be, at your end. No, no, be like a Christmas surprise. Okay. Um, I have nothing funny going on at my end, although uh, I didn't set up my usual sort of like pillow fort in the bedroom. Because for this episode, I wanted to have this, the, the backdrop that I currently have, which is the twinkling lights of the skyscrapers of Melbourne uh, behind me because I'm on the 10th floor in the, uh, in the city centre with the Docklands behind me, which is unusual because for the past two years, Dan has mostly seen me against a white wall surrounded by bits of sort of like pillow and duvet fort um, with doors yes. and windows shut. I could have been yeah, anywhere. Yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so far, James, I'm going to give this uh, podcast, this episode, this uh, this release a 10 out of 10. It's, it's great. I think, I, I think I've accidentally launched into small talk, but I, except I haven't because to start small talk, you're going to do a impromptu live Christmas small talk jingle like you did last year. Mm. And then we're going to have small talk. And then we've got a Christmas quiz. And we've got the same convoluted, I've done my songs of the year and twisted them into a personality quiz exactly like last year. Fantastic. And then we've got pigs in blankety blankets, just like last Love year. Of my favourite. We've got the sack game, like every Christmas special. Yes, and yes. we've... Also, I've also brought back the Nightmare Interpretation before Christmas, even though you hated it last year. But I've changed it yeah. so that hopefully you won't hate it this year. But the thing is, what I decided was this year, instead yep. of making a whole load of jokes that I know would irritate you about your own bodily fluids and things like that, I decided oh, okay. to direct it all at myself instead of you. Oh, brilliant! Yes, because you are you're such a you're such an interesting character. I'm guessing that actually there's quite a lot of semi-critical nasty things you could say about yourself um however from time to time i mean i mostly kept that up successfully but from time to time i did realize that i was sort of um reverting back to my usual tricks of making it um about you and things that you may not have achieved in the past year siblings you may or may not have rivalries with uh Parents who may or may not have bodily functions, but I've, I've, I've uh-huh. most—I don't. To be honest, I don't think there are any. Actually, I don't think there are any 
bits of your parents having bodily functions, actually, no, so that's fine. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you're not talking about my parents' bodily functions. So, do you want to do a Christmas small talk jingle? Small talk, small talk, lots of Christmas small talk. Simple but Uh, effective or just not enough? No, I mean, it's wonderful. I just, um, you you said just now, have I been not talking to anyone for a long time? (laughs) Because I wasn't very good at interacting. And um, so maybe I've, I think, I can't remember if the, in the last episode, so for the listener's benefit, in fact, for no one's benefit about, except mine, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, The last episode we recorded was, was actually in... Australia, I, as in I was in Australia, Dan was in London, and I think it was about three months ago, and I'm probably going to release it just a few days before this one. So for the listener, Brilliant. Um, just a few days have passed since they last heard us, if they listen um, the second they see it in their feed and they cancel yep. everything in their life until... Yep. Um, but in reality, a lot has happened. Um, so I'm probably not going to get through all of it on Small Talk. Um, but um, but I tell you what, I'll let Dan go first. Will you let me go first with Small Talk? Yeah, I'll let you just say your Small Talk before I say my Small Talk. <laughs> I'm saying my Small Talk. Small Talk's not about a conversation anymore. Wait, was it ever with you? I've got a new job. That, that's item one of your Small Talk. What's item two? <laughs> There's nothing to You've got nothing to ask. Got a new job. I'm an, I'm an assistant director now. Is that... I mean, isn't that what the joke is on um, The Office? Like, no, no. That's assistant manager, and then he says I'm assistant to the manager. Actually, there, there, to be fair, there is some conversation around whether I am assistant director or assistant to the director. There's a I, genuine, I genuine conversation. But um, no, I am assistant director, so I'm pretty important but, nowadays. Yeah, but assistant director doing what? What is your actual job? Oh, assistant director, education, development and quality. In in what? In a mental health trust. So I'm responsible okay. for all of the nurses, training, education and something we call quality. And in healthcare, quality is about the standard of delivery of the healthcare Are you meeting all the national frameworks, national standards? Are you effectively um, abiding by the legislation, the policies and the frameworks that actually uphold the profession to a certain standard and make sure that the delivery of care, what we're giving to the patients and our customers, is of a very high level? So I am the director or assistant director of making sure all that happens within the context of education, development and then the practice of nursing. So on behalf of the listener, I can uh, breathe out because for a moment there, I was wondering if it was now the case that neither of us actually work professionally or even vaguely in the field of the subjects that we talk about, but you're actually extremely high up in, uh, <laughs> in a totally relevant field. And therefore, your, uh, your gravitas has just strengthened on 
the the gravitasometer, and so we're, because you know you know like now that everyone the gravitasometer, has, nice, yeah, now, that's catchy, yeah, yeah. Now that everyone has got a uh, a podcast about psychology and mental health and everything, um, yeah. you need, we need to up our game. So it's it's good that you're now a serious top level assistant director of the world of psychology and mental health and therefore just basically you're one below the most important person in the world (laughs) it's not quite like that i would say that in my trust i'm about three people below the ceo um which is pretty good going but um in essence like my specialist area and field is something that i've been working on and in for a long time so so the job i actually had before the head of nursing for mental health in a physical health hospital that that to be honest meant i had my finger on the pulse potentially more than the job i'm doing now because i was in and around the clinical areas all the time and dealing with clinical situations now i need to make sure uh, literally thousands of other people do manage the clinical situations more effectively and i do that by making sure that the educational offer from the trust that i work for or what we might buy in or what we might develop i have to make sure that's of a really really high standard and i always have to make sure that the people excuse me the people delivering it are really good at delivering high quality education and that they're given the right information so we call it evidence-based practice in healthcare. We need to make sure that things we're teaching are based on researchable and investigated areas and that those pieces of research have um, developed policy and that those policy have developed practice and then that the practice that we're offering is based on really good education on all of those things. Whereas previously, the last two years, the most difficult job I've ever had in my life um, and I'm going to miss it, but I'm also glad to be moving into this more um how would you call it strategic role potentially uh strategic and managerial like the job before was maybe more hands-on so i will have a greater sway now in this job but previous i'd have had more of a clinical input so both of them i think are on the what did you call it not uh, on the something on the gravitasometer the gravitasometer yeah such a catchy name Uh, i think both of them are pretty high up there to be honest Good. Well, I'm still designing bus timetables, so uh, I have made no advance in the field related to the the subjects that we discuss. But but I have, of course, continued to live my life as a person, which is all I ever brought to this. And so in that, I'm just getting even further advanced in my field. Yeah, so in essence, what, what you've been developing is following your boyfriend to different countries. Yeah, but I've, I've, can, can I do my small talk? Can I do my small <laughs> talk? I just, I've thought, have you regressed somewhat in your ability to interact with people? Because can I do my small talk? So like, can I show you, I want to show you my picture now. Look, I've drawn this. <laughs> Is it better than the last picture that he showed you? James, um, yes, you, yes, you so can do yes, your small yes, talk Yes, now. your job sounds wonderful. I'm very pleased for you. OK, thanks. Isn't cool. that the appropriate I mean, I've got, I've got more small talk. I've got more small okay, talk. OK, well, I'll tell you what. Bit. How about I do a little bit and then you do a yes. little bit instead of you doing all of yours and then do, me doing all of mine? It's, not, it's going to be a conversation. That's what small talk is. It's a conversation. There's a two-way. <laughs> Someone doesn't, you don't walk up to someone in the street and say, This is what I do, this is my job. 
and then it's the other person's turn. It's not. That's not. <laughs> How have you not picked this up? We've been doing this podcast for like years. Uh, we've been doing this for um, I don't know about nine years or something like that, and um, the listener has some feedback this year because that was one thing that was missing from the Christmas special last year. Well, actually, no, it wasn't. We had the... Because the, we have the listener, but we also have the listener. So you're the listener provided feedback last year. Normally, my the listener provides feedback at Christmas specifically. My the listener didn't provide feedback last Christmas. Uh, uh, but this year, both of the listener have provided feedback. So that's, just, that's another thing to pack into our... Fudge mm-hmm. stuffed Christmas turkey that we're recording now. I'm going to do my small talk. So I met members of my family that I've never met before in my life. Fascinating. <laughs> there we go. Wait, is my it, is small it my talk turn over now? to you. Yeah, yeah, my turn. Okay, so um <laughs> Wait, so they're in Australia. You've got family members that you never met before in your life living in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> See, look at you enjoying small talk. Look at that. There's some interaction. You're enjoying it. Did you enjoy the fact that that was it? I'm I'm enjoying the fact that you're being ridiculous and breaking the rules of small talk. (laughs) And it's funny. And it's inherently, to me, of more value than if you were doing normal, appropriate, sensible small talk. The rules of small talk. This is brilliant. The rules of small talk. Lord help me. Okay. If this is probably the most I've ever enjoyed small talk since we started making this uh, podcast. I, don't, I, I mean, obviously, don't know what to say to you. You're ridiculous. But this is never going to be real small talk when I'm talking to a microphone, looking at a screen and fighting with headphones that I got free from an airline because they're the only ones that work in combination with the recorder because I haven't... Are you like hard up? Problem. Are you hard up for money? Could you not like buy some, I don't know, like... Just some headphones that are good enough. Didn't you used to have like over the? Don't you use these for work? I've got this sort of little headset. It's like Plantronics yeah, or something like that. I used like to that. have exactly that, but they're in the UK I think I've got a Sennheiser one here as well, actually. I do, but it's one of the call centre ones. It's only got one oh, yeah. earpiece. They're not good. I don't like that at all because it means things in the room can distract you. Like the cat meowing, you can still hear it. Oh, God, I've got some small talk for you about that cat. So, yes, I do have family in Australia. (laughs) And what is it? Cousins, uncles, aunts? Was it your father? My aunt on his side moved to... So, my dad's brother... Sister, sorry. Moved to Australia in, I think, the 80s. So, Mm -hmm. basically my whole life. And I I remember when she... Was was it soon after you were born? (laughs) It might have been before or after. I don't know if it was before or after. I can't remember. But Wait, so it was she, either before or after you were born? Yeah. Brilliant. It was not on the day that I was born. She was either not, way, it, it would have been before or after, wouldn't it? Unless it yeah. was during, unless yeah. she literally left the country at the moment that you were arriving in this yeah. world. That would have been pretty incredible timing. But she flew to Australia for a new life and has been here ever since. And she came to the UK to visit a few times. So Yep. So I, she, so I wasn't meeting her for the first time, but I hadn't seen her in 15 years. And um, she has two daughters. One of them lives on a very remote island north of Darwin, but the other one um, lives in Queensland. And I went to stay with her for a couple of days. And I met, so this is my cousin 
uh, and her husband, her daughter, and her son. And so, theoretically, she and uh, no, basically, so theoretically, it, when you when people talk about their relatives, you think of them on a kind of latitude, like um, parents, aunts, and uncles are one generation above. Cousins, brothers, sisters, etc., on the same generation. Same generation. Yeah. Nieces, yep. nephews, daughters. Yeah. Grandchildren, all of that are younger. But of course, in my family, I'm the, I'm the sort of like the, the afterthought, and so everyone is. Did you say sorry? I, did you say the mistake? No, I said the afterthought. Oh, the afterthought. Sorry, I misheard you. I, so I'm the I'm the when they realize when after all the trial and error and they realize mm-hmm. they're ready to do things correctly. Um, yes, yeah, no, that's what, that's exactly how I should have put it. So in my family, I am the pinnacle of reproduction. The pinnacle of reproduction, as opposed to all the others who are the prototypes. And but the, of course, Is the that? prototypes are a lot older than me. So in this case, uh, the. The daughter of my cousin. What what would that be? As in, what's Your the second, name of it? Second cousin. My second cousin is closer in age to me than my cousin. Oh, so the boy and the girl that are your cousin's children are basically your age. Well, except for the ten-year-old. So there's actually there's a big gap in the age of the, the mean, brother and the sister. So you know, small talk like should be like at least semi-interesting. I think you're going off track here. Like you're kind of boring me. But okay, you've got younger second cousins. Shocking. Yes. It was nice. Uh, they have a house in Queensland with a swimming pool. It was uh, nice. It was very mm. sort of like it's exactly how you'd imagine it to be. Um, and we had a nice time. I went there for dinner. Nice. And, so that's two nices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And. I successfully made conversation. It wasn't like this at all. But then I was talking to people around a table. I, I didn't have uh, headphones I, in. I, I do always wonder. Mic- I do always wonder what you know. It's like I know I met you once for the first time, and and my instant, like I, I wasn't like appalled by you as a human. But like there was definitely a sense that you're one of the strangest humans I've ever met. I do always wonder when you tell me you met someone new what it is they think. I really wish that you say, you'd give them some envelopes, say, look, I'm not going to read this. At the end of today, can you just write down all your thoughts on what you thought of me and then address it to Dan Brown. Get it in the post. Get it all prepaid, James, so that they don't do it. And get them sent off to me because I want to know. I want to know what people think of you because, well, you're unique as far as I can tell. More on that in this episode. Brilliant. So that was great small talk, James. Uh, was there any highlights of that trip to visit your new rel- visit your newly discovered relative, newly uh, your new relatives? Um, I held a koala. <gasps> oh my god! Don't they have herpes or something? Did you get herpes from a koala? I don't think so. But um, did you cuddle it? Did you cuddle it, or were you really like sheepish with the way you held it? Did you sort of hold it out like you'd hold a baby that had a wet nappy? No, it 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 sort of like I mean. It kind of dug its, I don't know if they're claws, toenails, feet, into me. And I suspected that it's probably because, um, compared with all the other people that get to hold the koala, I was probably the closest in form to a tree. And it probably thought that it was gripping onto the bark of a tree as opposed to so the So did it cut you? 
Well, you no, cut by a koala. No. Uh, they trim their claws, do they? I don't know if they give the koalas pedicures in order to be held by people, but um, I know that the koalas only do it for half an hour a day because it's uh, hypothesised that they find it stressful. Oh, I see, but they still do it to them. They still do it to them because I think it's something like 20% of the uh, GDP of Queensland. <laughs> it is holding koalas, is it? Yeah. Oh, so the gross, the, the, yeah, the gross national product was it was a gross domestic product. They make their money by people holding koalas for twenty to thirty minutes a day. I, well, <laughs> yes, I mean, don't don't quote me on twenty percent, but I, they definitely, I mean, um, they definitely make a lot of tourist I wouldn't money. Need from... to, I wouldn't need to quote you because you'd, you'd, this is great small talk. This is you're really engaging in it now. L- you know, I've told to you, throw. I've told yeah. you that that I've met new members of my family for the first time i've given you the 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 cute cuddly image of me holding a koala um but with a little bit of self-depreciative humor about me looking like a tree um i think that's pretty good and so firstly i've thoroughly enjoyed this small talk because um i found it funny and secondly i think i brought something um better than usual so i'm very satisfied with that so maybe you have some more small talk but um either way at some point Uh, the the small talk bells are coming in okay well we've also got we've got i think we should include listener feedback in small talk you think listener feedback is small talk i would say that that's like you know I, i haven't got a jingle for it but like that's in depth analysis that's like the bit after the football match Okay, well, we'll do something else and you can think of a jingle for listener feedback and then we'll do that in a separate segment of the show. How about that? Great, that's good. That's good. Christmas listener feedback in depth. Um, okay, so, but yeah, that's great, James. You did really well. That was really fascinating. I really, you brought to life your visit to your new family members, the koala. I can quite, um, I, I can see the koala. I can, I can feel the koala. I can imagine it digging its clawy toenails into your tree-like arms but it didn't break the skin you're saying no fortunately not i'm glad i was worried that you might be infected or something. and also there were kangaroos there which you could go up and feed so it was quite nice it wasn't like a zoo with all the animals behind a cage it was just the animals were walking around in a field and so were the visitors there were crocodiles there but they were not walking around amongst the visitors because they eat people Yes, they do. So, brilliant small talk. I mean, the listeners will be enthralled by everything. I'm ready for the next thing. Okay, well, we're doing some Christmas cleaning over here. We're getting ready for the festive (laughs) season, um, and I hope this doesn't doesn't put you off too much. But uh, um, what's next on the agenda for today? Well, I don't know if you remember last year we did a Freudian quiz i asked you questions about transference and um the oh yeah 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 it was actually really difficult wasn't it but i did okay i think yeah you did do okay yeah i think you did better than me because i did the quiz online and then i compared my score with yours and um but and it was relatively difficult but it was kind of like 
pitched perfectly in that it was difficult, but you yep. could actually get answers right, and you did get answers right. So it's kind of like a fun challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I like. I like a fun challenge. I don't like something where I'm going to be embarrassed by how little I know about a topic. Cause... Well, that's exactly what's going to happen this year. Right, okay, that's great. Brilliant. Because in uh, On Becoming a Person... Carl mm-hmm. Rogers' mm-hmm. seminal mm-hmm. book, which we're sort of like one third of the way through. He, at one point, talks about the philosophy behind his views on, um, on humanist psychotherapy. And he references a Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard. Are you oh. familiar with him? No, not really, but I know the name. Well, here is a Kierkegaardian and Hegelian philosophy quiz. Uh, Which I found from the same website as the Freudian quiz. And um, it says... Through the study of the Kierkegaardian and Hegelian philosophies, we understand their points of view and arguments being that human beings are alienated from God as they live in the world. So seeing as this is a Christmas special, I thought we would have some religious philosophy by one of Carl Rogers' favourite philosophers. Brilliant. I can't wait for this. I got one out of eight when I did the quiz myself. <laughs> oh my God, there's eight questions. Do you, have they got multiple choice, though? They are all multiple choice. Obviously, like Brilliant. last year, I've, I've tweaked them slightly. And I got eight out of... Sorry, no, I got one out of eight, even though I had the advantage of reading this book on Soren Kierkegaard that I'm showing Dan now. Um, Dan does not have that advantage, so it's one to beat for you to win this round. I think we're just going to... Rather than just... Okay, I'm not going okay. to add up points because the games are really unfair, as in from one game to the next. So it's more like either you get more points than me in this quiz right, or you right. don't. Okay, okay, okay. So you only need to get two to win. Okay, 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 okay. I'm getting stressed. Can you just get on with the quiz? I want to know the first question. Question number one. <laughs> Um, oh, also, you should probably know before this quiz. Um, I mean, I'm not. Gonna, I'm definitely not going to give sort of like a two-hour lecture of Kierkegaardian philosophy just to bring you up to speed. Oh, but good. one thing that you, one thing that you should know about him is that throughout his life, he published under various names, um, like ridiculous comic names, and um, eventually people came to realise that it was all him. All these books were written by him. But um, the quiz makes a bit more sense when you know that. Okay. Question number one. Which of the following statements about the relationship of Kierkegaardian and Hegelian philosophy is true? Is it A. Kierkegaard fundamentally disagrees with Hegel's philosophy of non-judgmental curiosity? Is it B. 
Kierkegaard states that there is no such thing as absolute knowledge as Hegel had postulated. Is it C? Kierkegaard argues against the Hegelian tradition that it is possible to understand faith. Or is it D? Kierkegaard thinks Hegel's major flaw is found in his inability to pull up his socks and flow. Um, well, I feel like four might be true, but I'm going to go with two or B. Oh, that's correct. So <laughs> for the rest of this quiz, you only need to get one more to win. <laughs> Brilliant. Yay. And just tell me, what was that answer again? It's something to do with, it was something to do with, like, absolute truth, wasn't it? Yes. So not only yeah, did you yeah. get it right, but you did actually remember it. Which of no, the following statements... No, because I, I, I did once read... Um, I did once read a little bit about these two guys, and I also once had a boyfriend who was doing a philosophy degree, and he told me various different things, and something in that just went, yeah, there was something about absolute truth. So... <laughs> Boom, I've got one point. Carry on. This is a great quiz. It was the, the statement that about the relationship of Kierkegaardian and Hegelian philosophy that was true was Kierkegaard states that there is no such thing as absolute knowledge and that is something that Hegel had yeah, yeah, postulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Question two in the lofty philosophy Christmas quiz. Yep. Which of the following... Lofty and inaccessible, although apparently it's accessible to Dan, so maybe mm -hmm. he wants to rethink his um, well, let's, ideas. Let's wait, wait and see about that, OK? OK. Which of the following pseudonyms was not used by Kierkegaard in his published writings? Was it A. Johannes de Silencio? Was it B. Carlos Rogo? Was it C. Constantine Constantius? No, sorry, Constantine Constantius, or was it D, young man? Oh, come on. So oh, he, wrote, he wrote a series of books under false names. One of the, no, three of these are legitimate false names that he used. One of them is something that I made up. Which one did I make up? Well, was you would guess that you made up the young man one because, but then that that seems almost too ridiculous. Can you give me the names again, James? A. Johannes de Silentio. B. Carlos Rogo. C. Constantine Constantius. Or D. Young man. I'm going to take the bait. I'm going to go with young man. Incorrect. Oh! Um, it was B, was it Carlos Rogo, which was my um, vaguely Latin interpretation of Carl Rogers. Well, yeah, I probably should have got that, shouldn't I, probably? <laughs> so, Johannes de he, he, wrote, he wrote papers under the name Young Man. Johannes de Silentio was the author of Fear and Trembling. Constantine Constantius was the author of the first half of Repetition. And D, young man, was the author of the second half of Repetition. So for the benefit of Dan this time, as opposed to the listener, I just um, amusingly left off where I was when I hadn't realised that you were actually talking to the cleaner as opposed to me. It was really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, cool. So on to question three. <laughs> Question three. Which of the following is a stated reason why Kierkegaard had his works written pseudonymously? Was it A, 
so that his pseudonymous authors can present themselves to the reader as selves in the process of self-creation? Was it B, he felt that by representing different viewpoints through his writings, he would avoid the problem of being too abstract? Was it C, he resented the choices of his parents, including his given name? Or was it D, he made his fortune releasing multiple books just in time for Christmas and didn't want people knowing they were all written by the same greedy cynic? Give me the first one again. He felt uh, A was so that his pseudonymous authors can present themselves to the reader as selves in the process of self-creation. And the second one? He felt that by representing different viewpoints through his writings... that one. ...he would avoid the problem of being too abstract. Incorrect. It was the first one. His authors were able to present themselves to the reader as selves in the process of self-creation, which is possibly something that appealed to Carl Rogers. In other words, he was writing as different characters who were becoming in the process of their writing. Mm. Although it was incongruent because he was essentially putting on a facade each time. But... As, yeah. it's, it's in the act of philosophy as opposed to the, in terms of the character that he was building that character was going through the process of self-creation yeah well that's a really good idea and I like it so you're still only on number one but you've got four more chances to win this no, I've still only got one point, but I've got four yeah. more chances. Oh, this is really difficult, and I've got to say, kind of not really that linked to what we talk about. This is like a bit out there, but okay, cool, cool. What fun. Number four, Carl Rogers' favourite philosopher, Kierkegaard, describes despair as which of the following? Is it A, transparently grounding yourself in the power that established it? Is it B... Pursuing the path of change? Is it C, trying to make yourself be something specific? Or is it D, endlessly expecting other people to be as excellent as yourself, then relentlessly being disappointed as the price of being special? (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I need those again. Uh, To me, it's just all like words. It's like really difficult to like get any meaning from them whilst you're saying them. So, which of the following is despair, according to Kierkegaard? Is it basically uh, grounding yourself? No, I don't. I, to, to be honest, I don't understand the first one, so therefore I can't put it in other words with the prefix basically. I'm just going to have to read it as it's written. Yes, just read Trans- it. Transparently grounding yourself in the power that established it. To be honest, I when I did the quiz myself, I didn't understand that one b pursuing the path of change c trying to make yourself be something specific or d is despair endlessly expecting other people to be as excellent as yourself then relentlessly being disappointed as the price of being special well if you've reworded the last one, I could imagine that actually it could be that one, but if you've made the last one up, then it's definitely not that one, so I'm going to go with a. Wrong. It was C, trying to make yourself be something specific. I think to summarise, based on what I know about 
his writing, mm-hmm. he very much um, emphasised his dislike of people following the path that is kind of expected of them. So, like, for example, uh, you go to university and you become a doctor because that's what your parents and your teachers expect. Or you uh, spend your life going to church on Sunday and saying you're a Christian because you were baptised as a child and were brought up with the ideas of Christmas and so on. But in reality, were God to ask you to sacrifice your son you wouldn't actually murder one of your children in the pure belief that God must be correct and therefore you're not actually a Christian. You're just behaving in a way that makes you fit in with uh, a Christian society. And so... um, Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So he's saying that um, trying to make yourself be something specific, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interpreting that as, for example, trying to make yourself be the Christian that people expect you to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can, can, you know, trying to form yourself in the um, opinion and ideas of others rather than living your true, authentic self. Carl yeah. Rogers would have loved that. Yeah. He, so, would, uh, he would have loved it, yes. yes. So question number five in our totally relevant and appropriate Christmas quiz... <laughs> In becoming a knight of faith, according to Kierkegaard, a person does which okay. of the following? Yes. They become satisfied only by the infinite. That's A. B. They find themselves poor in all aspects of life. C. They accept all and are equally satisfied with the finite and the infinite. Or D. They embrace personal growth facilitated by the unconditional positive regard of God. (laughs) So, according to Kierkegaard, if you actually want to be a... A knight of the faith. A knight of the faith, what do you have to do? Which of those things? Give me one more time and just leave out the stupid one because it's pissing me off, okay? Well, I mean, do, how, how do I know which you think is the stupid oh, one? Oh, for God's so, sake, James. Become satisfied only by the infinite, or find yourself poor in all aspects of life, or accept all and are equally satisfied with the finite and the infinite. And then I assume that you thought... I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with C. Uh, correct. You have two points. You're going yes. to win this round. <laughs> yes! This is so good. Winning is so important to me when I'm playing a game with you. Question number six. Which of these statements best summarises the ideas of Kierkegaard versus other philosophers who came before him? A. Truth is to be found in subjectivity rather than objectivity. B. From nothing comes nothing. C. Freedom is one's ability to act according to his own will. Or D, flow is a verb, a doing word. I mean, I feel like it's A or C. I'm going to go with A. A is correct, you have three points. Truth is to be found in subjectivity rather than objectivity. And Hegel and Kant before him were more inclined to say that there is 
objective truth to be found in the world and that philosophy and science is progressing towards uh, a place where there's no reason to be you know superstitious or have faith and belief and so on You'll, everyone in the future will just know things objectively and Kierkegaard said to that ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's really interesting. That that does kind of split the worlds, doesn't it? You know, and and I did think, that, as you were saying, like, what do I believe? Do I believe that truth is objective or subjective? And I think, weirdly, I think there's truth in both. And that might seem ridiculous because if truth is um, objective, how can it also be subjective? I mean, maybe I'm just advanced in my thinking. Hey, hey, both objective and subjective truths. Although, nice. just to muddy the water slightly, I don't yeah. think Kierkegaard's definition of subjectivity right. is quite the same as a modern sort of like, I'm in touch with my feelings and I subjectively view the world this way. I don't think it was quite like that. But I'm, but I'm, uh, I'm going to resist But do you know that? To... You've only got one point in this quiz. I don't really think that you're <laughs> in a position to be able to tell the listener that that is what Kierkegaard meant. You know, when you've had people arguing and debating it for hundreds mm, hang on not hundreds maybe when, when was he writing james in the eight, late 1800s okay so uh, over a hundred years then yeah and you've just decided on a whim that you know what he means oh, listen way, please quite... disregard his last he's quite handsome yeah, yeah he's i quite know i've had his hands. i've had his wikipedia page open the whole time i don't know with you okay. it's really impossible i've been trying to get the answers it's impossible the text is so <laughs> thick I was like, pseudonyms, pseudonyms. So you're cheating? No, no. I was just trying to have the same advantage that you had in having read a book about him. And it is impossible because they're these huge paragraphs. There's no bullet points like these were his pseudonyms. It's like... It's, it's, it's like Clitoris Invicticus was the 14th of his 127 pseudonyms. On the 3rd of June 1947, he decided that to use a pseudonym was not just a whim, but also a cherish. And it's calling a cherish a whim. It's nothing, and it's like, well, what, what, what? Just give me a list of his pseudonyms so I can win the quiz. I mean, that's philosophy. You either like it or you don't like it. Really? It's black and white. <laughs> So, question James, no, see, that was an option, that was like an opportunity for you to have a conversation, like a something about this. But no, that's fine. Next question, let's see if I can get four points. Is this I the last that, question? I thought that was quite a lot of, uh, of chat between questions six and seven, so I think it's time now for question seven. Back to my okay. serious voice. Yeah. Why did Kierkegaard developed the technique of indirect communication in which he wrote differing points of view under various pseudonyms. You may feel like this is the third time the same question has been asked, but the first time was (laughs) which were pseudonyms. The second time was why did he use pseudonyms? And this one is um, when he was using pseudonyms, why did he develop the following technique in that process? So was it A... To hide his identity as an author, because authors in those days were often executed for their revolutionary ideas. Was it B, to vary the audiences to which he appealed, to whom he appealed, so that if someone didn't like a certain work of his, perhaps they would like a different one and not be biased when it was under a different name, because they wouldn't have a clue that it was the same person writing multiple Mm -hmm. things. Interesting. Was it C... 
Kierkegaard believed that most of us live in varying forms and degrees of self-deception. Or was it D? Kierkegaard believed it is man's duty to erect an appropriate facade and hide behind it. I won't go with B. Unfortunately, it was C. Kierkegaard uh. believed that most of us live in varying forms and degrees of self-deception. Yeah, we which do. Is, which is fundamental to him. I mean, I think you could have got one, because if you need a bullet point for Kierkegaard, that's it. Kierkegaard believes that most of us live in varying forms and degrees of self-deception. And that's possibly also why he influenced Carl Rogers to um, create the conditions where people break down that for, those forms of self-deception and become who they authentically are. Okay, Just, that's... Once more, if it were needed, reminding Dan why this quiz is totally appropriate for the Christmas special in the middle of our Carl Rogers season. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. Okay, well, is wait, is that was that the last question, or have we got one more? That was question number seven, and oh, there are wow. eight questions. Okay, okay. Question number eight. What does Kierkegaard describe as the essence of despair? Oh. Yeah, go on. Is it A, other people or circumstances acting upon... And yes, we have already had a question about despair. This is worded slightly differently. Um, Is it A, other people or circumstances acting upon you, making you unable to act for yourself? Is it B, self-loathing to the point of wanting to be anyone else? Is it C, introspective pensiveness that causes you to change the way you act? Or is it D, reaching your 40s without overcoming the behavioural faults of your 20s and 30s? Um, could you do me the whole thing again? I think I know which answer I'm, 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 I'm hedging towards, if that's a phrase. Is that a phrase? What does Kierkegaard describe as the essence of despair? Is it Essence a, of despair. Cool. Right. Other people or circumstances acting upon you, making you unable to act for yourself. Is it... B, self-loathing to the point of wanting to be anyone else? Is it C, introspective pensiveness that causes you to change the way you act? Or is it D, reaching your 40s without overcoming the behavioural faults of your 20s and 30s? No, it's not that. It's not that. That's ridiculous. But, um, and I feel like it's a little dig at me. Have you just added that one in? Or is that just me self-doubting listen i think all three have so much overlap it's utterly ridiculous that there's there's no you know they they you they could be describing the same thing um i'm going with a i I agree with you but it's actually b self-loathing to the point of wanting to be anyone else but the other two are also very strongly related and things that Kierkegaard wrote about. I guess the yeah. essence of despair was one of his big ideas and therefore yeah, this the was a, a very specific question. But you ultimately won that game, proving mm-hmm. that it was not just relevant to Carl Rogers, but also utterly relatable and accessible to Dan Brown. What a wonderful Christmas quiz. Thank you so much. What a Hang on a second. I feel like just we need... I mean, I know you'll probably add more bells in later, but let's... They're not really doing what I want. Cheers.
drink going down there for you, James? Oh, very nicely, thank you. I, I actually don't drink at all, except when I'm on holiday. So this is probably the first time since uh, November when I was when I went to France. Oh, that was another thing that I could have put in my small talk. I went to France, but not the Eiffel Tower. I went to the overseas territory of New Caledonia in the Pacific Ocean. I mean, how is it? Like, because I work so hard, and like I do so much for so little, and I do nothing with it. I go nowhere. I do nothing. You, you make bus timetables and stickers for buses, and you travel around the world, and basically yeah. live in luxury. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's just, it just seems a little unfair. <laughs> yeah, but that's the fallacy of fairness. Ah, the fallacy of fairness. Yeah, I guess you do have to live with yourself, so that's got to be pretty awful. Yeah, all things considered, um, trying to find fairness in a comparison of your own life with someone else's is, as we've discussed at length, a futile exercise. And also, like as Kirko would say, it's the very essence of despair... Is imagining I mean, no, that it is it it's not the essence of despair because the essence of despair was the other thing. But yes, you're right; it is one of his big ideas. Well, great, and look at that—we already instantly got it back to wow. How useful was that? Now, listener, I really hope during this Christmas you can you can reflect and be reflexive around the ideas of Kierkegaard in at Christmas. You're looking at your Christmas tree and you're comparing it to every other Christmas tree and you think that if you had any other Christmas tree, you would be happier. Well, my friend, you would not. And the answer lies within. Accept your Christmas tree for its faults. Accept yourself for your faults. Embrace them, enjoy them and feel empowered by the fact that you are living a genuine and uncompromised life as yourself but if you have a christmas tree because everyone else has a christmas tree or you feel like you should have a christmas tree because it's christmas then you are completely violating the philosophy of kierkegaard and you need to demand of yourself why you have that christmas tree if you can answer it in a way that satisfies you that you want to have that Christmas tree even if you lived in a vacuum and there was no such thing as society then you are justified in having the Christmas tree but if you don't know why you have a Christmas tree other than well you've always had one and everyone else has one and it would be weird not to have one then you have not even begun to question uh, the big ideas in Kierkegaardian philosophy. Well, on that bombshell of an idea, give me one moment, please. Just okay. James, you you can queue up the next section. W-F-U-N. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me twelve drummers drumming, eleven pipers piping, ten lords a leaping, nine ladies dancing. Okay, the next section, and then I'll need to have two minutes to deal with a highly pressing work matter, and then we will do section 17 of 212.
<laughs> Wonderful! That's exactly how I'd planned it. So, shall we play Pigs in Blankety Blankets? Because I think that was, that was the only thing that you actually liked of uh, last year's Christmas special. As in, the, the thing that you genuinely liked as opposed to tolerating. Okay, Christmas pigs in blankety blankets, Christmas pigs in blankety blankets, Christmas pigs in blankety blankets, let's eat Christmas pigs in so, blankety blankets. For the listeners' benefit, blankety blank was a game where you basically had to fill in the gap, and if you guessed the same thing that the person who, uh, presenting you with the, with the phrase was guessing, then you won the point and if you didn't then the other person won and so that's exactly the rule of this game so i have three statements with a blank left for dan to fill if he guesses correctly what i was thinking of then he wins the point if not then i win the point so it's the best of three dan i assume you're ready uh, yes, I was just trying to find out because RuPaul actually does a very similar game and I thought maybe it was a more up-to-date reference for our younger listener. and The, the, RuPaul, snatch. the snatch game. The Snatch game, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, with the Snatch game, it's, it's very much more entertaining with people in costume pretending to be Adele or Liza Minnelli and as much as I would love it if you had turned up today dressed according to especially one of the characters that I have introduced into Pigs in Blankety Blankets this year. I would be, I would be thrilled, but... Okay, like... okay. Do you know what? I, I, give me one moment, because I think, rather than my thing keep beeping at me work-wise, work just never stops, you see, guys. Um, I, I'm just going to deal with this work issue so that is dealt with, and then come okay. back rather than it going ping, 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 yeah. ping. Okay, all right, um, give me a second. I'm going to mute you and just you take a phone call, okay? Uh, but you can, like, get yourself in the zone, Jim Jams. Five gold rings! Yeah! Sweet return, eh? Oh, Trayvon. Um, I got rid of the ridiculous jungle amphitheatre in which I basically cannot see you. And if, if there was a situation when uh, a, a, an additional barrier to communication were not required, it would be this one precisely. Yeah, sorry about that. I was trying to get it so that both of our picture, well, my picture could be like minimised. Um, you know, but it, that that didn't work um, because, like, I find myself on these kind of things just basically looking at myself, which is really irritating. And then I realise that I'm not talking to me; I'm talking to you. And I'm like, "Oh, there you are." <laughs> you can, I'm sure you can minimise yourself. No, but I'm doing it through the browser rather than through the oh, Skype okay. app because oh. I'm using my work computer so I can see whether there's a catastrophe waiting to happen. Imagine the farm at Christmas. The snow is falling. The yes. what do you call a pig pen? Is it a pen? 
A sty. A, a sty. Sty. Pig sty. A sty. Oh, pig yeah, sty. The pig sty is filling up with snow. The cute little pigs are rolling around. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how can I shove it into the game? The pigs are rolling around in the snow. And something, something, something. Blankety blank. Something, something, something. Blank, blankety blank. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, no, because that was a, I, that was a, that was a, that was a double blank. Because it is just, it just needs to be blankety blank. It's all blanks. It's all blanks. Okay, so Dan is back, and now we're going to play pigs in blankety blank. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Christmas pigs in Christmas blankety blankets. So I'm going to give you a statement, and each time. There's going to be a blank, and you have to fill it in by guessing what I was thinking would go there. Okay, okay, so, okay. The first one. Excited to see Prince Harry expose himself uncensored, Dan was ultimately disappointed that the hyped Netflix documentary never once revealed his mighty engorged blank. Ego. <laughs> I don't know if you think that's what I think of Prince Harry or if you've just revealed your interpretation of the unfolding mega drama in the royal family. Oh. Uh, you know, just so just as a little bit of small talk, because now it can be natural and at an appropriate time, as opposed to yeah. right after a jingle when I'm trying to adapt to having headphones and talking into a microphone. Um, I never used to have any interest in the royal family whatsoever. I never even knew who the members were. So um, Margaret and Anne were the same person in my mind throughout my life until very recently. Um, I thought that Prince Charles only had one brother and one sister, the sister being Margaret, who I didn't realise was actually his aunt. I thought it was his sister. Right. And I I didn't have a clue that Edward even existed. So I thought Anne and Margaret were the same person. I didn't know that Edward existed. Um, I thought it was Andrew, Margaret and Charles who were all siblings and I wasn't interested anyway and whenever there's been a royal wedding I haven't watched it I only knew about the ridiculous hats from one of them because I saw so many comedy pictures and for ages I didn't know what sort of like memes that I I just didn't know what they referenced and then probably years later I realized that these were hats that were worn to a royal wedding and then um, having met Sammy, who's French, he's obsessed with the royal family and he's got me watching The Crown and he asked me, his grandmother is obsessed with the royal family, she asked me questions that I can't answer. Um, We've had lengthy discussions. I've basically learnt about the royal family ever since meeting Sammy. Because of The Crown. Yeah, The Crown's very good. It's like beautiful to watch. It's a bit frustrating and a bit annoying and they go on a bit for a few episodes each season about stuff that's just... No one cares about, but it's really nice, especially when you see all the palaces and the and the like the holidays that bit stuff, that stuff. Sorry, so what's this got to do with pigs in blankety blankets? Did you want me to say? Did you want me to say <laughs> schlong? Did you want me to say Harry's schlong? Is that what you wanted me to say? Engorged. Of course not, because that's 
not what I was getting at at all. I didn't right, right. have okay. any um, lewd ideas of bodily functions or members of uh, someone's anatomy. I well, I said ego, so now you give me the right answer rather than tell me that Sammy watches The Crown. Okay, no, that's wrong. Excited to see Prince Harry expose himself uncensored, Dan was ultimately disappointed that the hyped Netflix documentary never once revealed his mighty engorged feeling of unconditional positive regard towards his brother, and thus Dan was still devoid of a role model for harmonious sibling acceptance and interpersonal growth, instead left drifting further into the ever-futile wilderness of... What? (laughs) That's not a blank... That's a paragraph. <laughs> not, not, in, not in a hundred million years would someone come out with that as the blank. If we asked a hundred, if we asked a hundred people, blank, the most that anyone would do is maybe put a sentence in there. Left drifting further into the ever futile wilderness of sibling comparison, (laughs) rivalry, and indignation at injustice was the correct answer. (laughs) Well, last year I liked this game, but this year I I don't know if it's going in the. It's just. I mean, I don't want to call you a moron, but. Okay, let's go with number two. Let's go with number two. two. How many are there? Three. Okay, thank God. Okay, number two. Yay! Dan's worst nightmare before Christmas was the anticipation that James might make reference to his mother's gushing blank. Love for her eldest child, because love for the eldest child is seen by Dan as something that the mother obviously and definitely does, rather than the less important middle and junior child, and because Dan feels that his mum loves his eldest brother more. Something like that? I didn't actually take this as an opportunity to make uh, jokes about the fact that you're the least loved sibling, but you get it. You got it absolutely right. You do get the point. <laughs> Dan's worst nightmare before Christmas was the anticipation that James might make reference to his mother's gushing love for him, and this would deny any opportunity to appear to be the adult in the room as opposed to the smothered infant. Okay, good. I'll take the point. I'm not sure that I'd get it, but yes, yeah, yeah. Thanks, James. That was nicer than... So, so far, we're on a tie, so it all hinges on this one. Oh, yeah, because you get a point because you wrote them. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. And don't still to come is the is the round where I get points for knowing which songs I like. I don't know that. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. So much fun, so many games. Christmas, Christmas time. Yay! Okay, continue. So number three, looking forward to a meal that traditionally features no lettuce whatsoever. Liz Truss was disappointed, nevertheless, when she was presented with blank at the Christmas dinner table. A P60. Well, unfortunately for you, I win pigs in blankety blankets. The question, the answer that I had in mind was, this is a trick question, 
Liz Truss was actually presented with blank since her hosts had prepared a recipe centred around the exciting promise of Brown's microgreens, but Dan never got round to realising his <laughs> business idea and the world felt the consequences of his inaction. Uh, uh, okay, I mean, I could. there's a caveat to that. Actually, the, the supposedly free-flowing air that cleans out the filth of and brings in fresh air, you know, the little place that I live. Uh, actually, what it does is it brings all kinds of spores and crap into the house, so it's actually really difficult to grow things like mushrooms and microgreens without them um, succumbing to mould and um, infection. It's like it's the opposite of what it's meant to do, in my humble opinion. I haven't got some kind of special air monitoring device that is just from growing all the different microgreens and trying it. It just doesn't. I can't do it here. End of story. We spent nine years carefully um, referring to where you live as being somewhere in southeast <laughs> London, vaguely between Croydon and Wimbledon, and now you just casually mention the which is easily Googleable, and now everyone knows exactly where you live and can pinpoint you to the postcode. <laughs> I invite the listener to, all, all of the listener, to turn up at Dan's unannounced and just stay there for as long as you like and have private practice live uh-huh. for Could just as just... long as you manage to stay in his house. Could you do that beeping, that beep out the... For, for each time please we'll see we'll see okay good thanks for that all right great game james really really engaging enthralling practical you know manageable uh accessible well before we move on to another ridiculous contrived game where i win points for doing absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. um should we have audience feedback oh go on yeah let's do audience feedback do you mean listener feedback listener feedback Yep, go on, go on. I'm I'm up for this. It's uh, it's up to you to do a Christmas listener feedback jingle live. Okay. What's in the postal sack this Christmas? What's in the postal sack this Christmas? James got letters and Daniel's got letters. Lots of listener feedback. I thought it was, About, um, I I thought it was right. among your better ones. Oh, thanks. Cool. Yeah, I got very excited there just for a moment. It's just that Christmas feeling. Although uh, in... Uh, Beep. The air is getting really cold, so I've had to put my jumper on, which actually makes it more Christmassy and it's just toasty and warm in here. And uh, I'm really going to enjoy listening to the listener feedback. So off you go. What have you got for us? Yeah, I'm going to go first because um, yours oh, yeah. was unsolicited and genuine listener feedback and something that will warm the cockles of everyone's hearts whereas mine was ridiculous solicited feedback whereby I sent a message um, saying the following I forgot to ask this sooner I need you to pretend that the Christmas special of private practice is the most important thing in the world even more important than my chart of the year and provide the following within 24 hours Please write two or three sentences of critique about either podcast episodes from the past year if you listened and remember, or me as a person. And then I said, if you don't do this in time, or don't, or if you don't see this message in time, or don't do it in time, then Christmas will be ruined for everyone. <laughs> and he rose to the bait and did exactly what I asked. So well I done, 
we have correct the listener. And if you were going to like play along with the fun that this section is, you would have said something like, "Oh, let me open the letter. Let's see what this. Let's see what." That's it. Open up the letter, James. Great. Yeah, you're never going to be a folly artist, but um, it'll do. So I've opened up the letter, and it says, "Another year, another season of James Hall learning in public." Not everyone deserves unconditional positive regard, and this podcast is a meandering, <laughs> shitposty, deranged giggle of a proof of that. <laughs> In 2022, James remained the only white gay to have ever gone to Morocco and not got laid by a Moroccan man. So instead of following in his spiritual ancestor's footsteps and turning to existentialism, he cherry-picked the least interesting bits of psychoanalysis, got Dan to digest them down nearly past recognition, and then regurgitated (laughs) them all back into our collective ears with his signature lack of coherence, humour, or self-awareness. Can't wait for season nine. (laughs) That's just... I don't know. I'm, every time I hear this listener's feedback, I I just feel a little bit I just feel a little bit concerned that maybe we're not we're not hitting the nail on the head with our podcast. That we're we're maybe you know not 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 catering for that academic crowd that we really want to engage in some of these these complex ideas, um, and that perhaps perhaps we failed. Well. You only fail if you don't hit your targets, and I successfully create targets that I achieve spectacularly and have yes. been doing so since 1987. Amazing. Excellent. Well, that's the listener feedback from... I've got... Well, can you open that envelope for me, James? That was okay. the listener's feedback from Peter the Bulgarian and P-E-T-E-R, um, although pronounced pete, means to fart in French. Uh, so this is from the anonymous listener. Okay, and, and they have said, Becoming Carl Rogers, a tour de force. You're such a patient man, broadcasting from the industrial gristle of Hitchin, when your co-host is languishing in the flesh pots of Casablanca. Small talk centred around the machinations of a course on management seminars, to which James' response is to compare your day to a description of the wall and curtains of your hotel room. A dismissal if ever I heard one. Your retort was a masterclass in concealed hurt. (laughs) When you reminded him of the elegy of when James got a wet foot. (laughs) (laughs) the gold was spun in the exploration of congruence both bring their a-game an episode on a school stage as an invisible prompter is rebuked by a drama teacher whereby inner thoughts bleed onto the face and the anxiety of becoming aware of one's own non-verbal communication Please continue to produce more material. The relevance of the irrelevance is never stronger when in the two-way of you two. Also, loved your appraisal of a powerful CEO 
who is trying to convey an idea of a safe place of anti-bullying and free thought and expression when the non-verbal message conveyed an intimidating uppercut in demanding drone-like compliance with a schizophrenic subtext that underpins all the alternative truths with which we are all compelled to deny. Yours, the anonymous listener. I mean, it comes as no surprise to me that the listener is so impressively correct in diligently paying attention and being highly thoughtful and witty in response to everything that we say because, of course, the correct person is going to listen to Private Practice Podcast and, of course, their feedback is going to be correct. I mean, of course. I mean, in both, in both contexts, both, um, <laughs> uh, both letters are absolutely right, which is really interesting because it does, it, does, it does push back to, and I'm guessing one of our listeners would disagree, it does push back to the idea that um, truth is both subjective and objective. I'd love to meet... I'd love, the, I'd, I'd, I'd love the two of them to meet at some point and perhaps they could podcast their ideas out. Or it would be better if they kind of did, their, if the two of them got together, having listened to this podcast and made their own podcast about the same, just they, they pick a topic that we've covered and they make a podcast together about it and we listen to it and we realise that that's exactly how it should be done. Yeah, well, they're both much cleverer than me, so I'd listen to that and probably learn. Uh, okay, great. What's the next section, James? Because, you know, Christmas is fast approaching, so we don't have long left. The next section is called The Big Five That Are Actually Ten, Awkwardly Wrapped Into a Contrived Music Gimmick for Christmas, But According to the Correct Only Child and Not According to Spotify. WFUN number one. Okay, well, cool. So this is the game where I take my favourite songs of the year, yep. all about me, it's just totally self-centred game, all about me, as if I'm somehow special and my opinion counts for more than everyone else's and my favourite songs are uh, somehow of special interest to everyone and that a whole round of the Christmas special should be centred on this and not only that but I also contrive it into a ridiculous game that doesn't make any sense whereby the questions are all um, fitting into the big five personality traits of which there are ten. As okay, great. Yes, I remember now. That's yeah. really good. Okay, good, good, good. And also, of course, everyone who has a Spotify account gets a link to the now um, just overly hyped Spotify wrapped. Yeah, I don't even trust mine, to be honest. Last year it said that my most listened to song was... Um, was a was first aid kit. Uh, um, I think running up that hill, Kate Bush cover, um, and I don't actually ever remember listening to that. Whereas I know that I'll put on songs like The Weekend like fifty times because like I'm I'm a bit tacky like that. I like to listen to it when I'm like walking to the shops because it's about the right length of time. So that's ex- that's exactly the same comment you made last year when we played this game. Yeah, I'm I'm. 
nothing if not consistent. <laughs> so I won't um, spend half an hour explaining my chart of the year like I did last year. Oh, thank God. <laughs> That's the benefit of bringing back the games um, in consecutive years. I don't have to explain everything every single time. Yep, because yep. the listener already knows. Yeah, the listener's all but already been worn down with that. So, um, so these, this year I haven't actually made, I haven't actually finalised my chart of the year. But if I'm, if I were to generalise, I would say that I think it's an extraordinarily full year in the, in any other year probably songs that won't make it to the top 20 could easily be number one of the year whereas this year there isn't a short list basically the short list is just all songs that could be in the top 10 of the year so I really don't know what's going to be um, in the top 10 and what's not going to make it but these five in these questions are probably at least four of them are going to be in the top ten. So question number one. Okay. Always open to the experience of feeling like a woman, this 57-year-old superstar is back with a simple message of what if there's no tomorrow that Dan could really use to get things done today. Is it Madonna? <laughs> what? Let, let me try again just the first bit always open to the experience of feeling like a woman Shania Twain yes correct you get one point yes sorry I, 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 I realised uh, during that question something popped up and said I've got 20 minutes to be in a meeting with my boss so I was like oh my god what am I going to do and I did miss the Shania Twain reference I get a point does that mean you don't get a point or do you also get a point so it's we both going to be the best have... of five as to who okay. wins the round and then it's right. just going to be who wins the most round okay. so question two the song about this song about feelings of love registers as X extra neurotic with its high frequency repetition I'm guessing it's the XX. Yeah, but it's not the XX. Was it just XX? No, it's is one it, of oh, the three members it, of the XX. Is it, so it's either Remy or Jamie, so I'm going to go with Jamie XX. I mean, you're lucky. It is Jamie XX. Let's do it again. However, Oliver Sim of the XX, who is not Remy and is not Jamie, also released his debut album this year. And one of the songs from that album is also on my shortlist, but not the answer Great. to question Good, number two. I so would never have got it. Again. You got lucky sound. there. So, it's all yeah, dirgy, dirgy, boring crap anyway, isn't it? You only need to get mm. one more to win this round. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> Number three, the title of this song. I'll start again. The title of this song references a traditionally disagreeable creature in folklore. I mean, we got Jabberwockies, we got elves, we've got. Oh, I'm stumped on this one, James. Um... No, you got me. The song is called Wolf by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Oh. 
Okay. It's all right. You've, you've still got two more chances to win this round. Okay, okay, Question number four. Okay. This song about death is by a band not known for extroverted publicity and is therefore a tame anthem for introverts like myself. <laughs> but to say it again. This song about death is by a band not known for extroverted publicity and is a tame anthem for introverts like myself. I, I'm, admittedly, this is a really difficult one. You do know the band, and you might even know the song if you've heard their new album, but you would have to know that one of the songs is about death to identify Which I don't. this band. So I'm going to just take a wild stab in the dark. Is it the Dandy Warhols? No, it's not. It's uh. Hot Chip. Oh, cool. And the song is called Eleanor. Oh dear, that sounds sad. Do you, I, I, I didn't expect you to get that question, but I felt like there was a likelihood that you might be familiar with the song. No, I don't know. I haven't listened to their new stuff. Uh, well, I, um, I'm often accused here when I put Hot Chip on playlists of being the only person in the world still listening to Hot Chip, but... That's clearly untrue because there were posters advertising the Who new album. Who tells you that? Sammy thinks that Hot Chip, uh, a, a band that people listened to about ten years ago, and I'm the only one still listening to them. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, number five, which you need to get right in order to win. Yeah, I know. God. Conscientious as I am, I'm including this French group as they are highly relatable and accessible to Dan, without whom I may never have come to enjoy their music. Oh, shit. Uh, it's not The Blaze, is it? It is The Blaze, and the yeah. song... I mean, I'm going to let you win, but do you know the name of their new song? No, I don't, no. no it only no. came out last week, so it's an extremely late contender for my chart of the year. And what's the song? It's called Dreamer. Okay, I'm going to have a little listen to that as soon as I get off this, get off the meeting with my boss, go to my two-hour update, do my last meeting, and phone everyone in my team to make sure they're okay. I mean, if I was to be unfair, I would say it sounds exactly like every single song on the first album by The Blaze. Well, I love the first album, so that's good for me. Yeah, so that, and if I'm not being unfair, I would say that every single song on the first album was fantastic, and this is just as good. Yep, nice, okay. Well, excellent, that was great. So we drew, basically... Uh, no, you won that one. You comfortably won that one. So you've won the Kierkegaard quiz and you've won the uh, top five personality, James's chart of the year, guess the songs. So therefore you're in the lead because I've only won Pigs in Blankety Blankets by Which writing a long-winded load ridiculous, of ridiculous things nonsense. that were impossible for you to guess and therefore I secured myself a win on that round. Yeah, well, well done you. Fantastic. Okay, so we got one final game, I think, because that's all we've really got time for, James. And, and, and like these Christmas specials are just so packed full of stuff. It's, we've got... Um, Two final games. Uh, the, this mm. one, though, isn't actually a game and is, doesn't have any rounds and will not take very much time. Last year, 
the nightmare interpretation before Christmas was my opportunity to truly digress and make hideous jokes about your mother's yes. sexualized behavior and, and out-of-control bodily fluids, and you hated it. So, so mature, so grown up, so just, yeah, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So distinguished. So this so year I distinguished, brought, yes. I brought back the feature. However, I've changed it slightly, as you will see. So, the nightmare interpretation before Christmas. Coming to terms with the fact that he was in no way special, made all the more real with the sheer number of emerging global podcasts about the mind, each further treading private practice podcast into the tuneless flatline of ignored background noise instead of themselves being overlooked as the divine only child's wondrous creation naturally and rightfully rises like a blossoming Christmas pantomime beanstalk, paused to come up for air, because there really wasn't enough punctuation in that. No. And too many words. But we're still not at the end of the sentence. James decided to transfer his focus away from his thoughts and towards the too often ignored feelings from all parts of his body. Mm -hmm. His pumping heart overwhelmed him with fear and disgust. What feelings were being repressed and displaced, he still did not know. His awkwardly tumultuous digestive passage ominously foresaw another episode of undesirably messy fecal ejaculation. Ah, uh, Som- right, yeah, there it is. Okay, Som- continue. <laughs> Something he loved to present mockingly as a feature of others, but which also applied so inconveniently <gasps> to himself. Oh, dear. The extremities of his excessively long and lanky limbs felt chillingly devoid of the warmth of healthy circulation, bringing him back to the anxiety induced in the first observation. It was so easy to point out the malfunctions of others, but James had never bothered to pay attention to the ease available in observing his own inadequacies. The end. True say. Amen, brother. I mean... Finally, but can you can you keep that with you? Can you hold on to that? Can you stay with that? Can you? I mean, I think away from small talk, away from this podcast, and away from the other bits of conversation that we've had that were not recorded, um, I've had many chances recently to to tackle my own personal flaws and sort of like put them in the room and walk around them. It's been a very fulfilling rite of passage. I'm really pleased to hear that, and I'm going to hear more about that a bit later, I think. And the journey has only just begun. So do you want to squeeze in the sack game? Let's squeeze in the sack game, because I think we've got just about enough time before we wrap up and say Merry Christmas to all. Okay, and this year it is just the normal traditional sack game. It's not the ridiculous Oliver Sacks version I did last year that was too complicated oh, for anyone to follow or understand. Absolutely ridiculous. Yep, yep, I remember <laughs> now. Yep. Okay, cool. So, what's the topic or the theme or the whatever? Uh, okay, well, you go first. And you have one. So, for the listener's benefit, uh, if it is now um, two years since they last heard. Uh, the traditional rendition of the sack game. So Dan uh, goes first, and he has one minute to list items that would fit inside Santa's sack. And if 
he if he suggests something that's too big for the sack, or if the total mass of all the items cumulatively would not fit in Santa's sack, which is an average-sized sack, his round is over before the minute ends. If, okay. however, he keeps to small items, he gets the full minute, and those items will be counted by me, and then it'll be my turn, and whoever gets the most items wins the sack game 2022. So, your category is... Nasty Christmas gifts that vicious old colonial queen would have given to poor suffering Megan with inflexible negative regard just to rub salt in the wound she herself gashed. That's if she wasn't dead as well as racist. Um, a small fake African statue. Um, hair straighteners. Um, um... Pale, pale coloured foundation. Um, I don't know that this is okay, James, to be honest. Um, what else? Was, uh, um, um, a, a union flag. Um, a, a badge that a badge that says I'm not a royal. Um, some house slippers so that she knows to take her shoes off when she comes inside. A five-pound voucher for Woolworths. A, a small um, um, trolley-sized bottle of rum. That's it. Time's up. No, it's not. I'm... There's oh. one minute. Okay, yeah, it is. I didn't press start on mine. So how many did I get? I mean, you got seven. However, that really didn't pan out how I was expecting. I was expecting you to say things like, um, I don't know, like a, a mouldy peach or just sort of like unpleasant. Oh, no, no. Like... I, I, I said things that kind of indicated that the Queen was completely insensitive to race or was trying to communicate a message around race. That's what I thought that meant yes that is what you did that is a bold yeah. move that you made that i had not anticipated yeah. even though i probably could have anticipated that with the ridiculous way i worded your category yeah and i don't know i probably got it you know just for like speaking real for a second i probably got it wrong as well you know in saying those things but i just feel like that would be the you know that's the hangover of colonialism we're all a little bit racist even though we're trying not to be so my category is Oh, I give you the category. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, your category is items that other people use regularly, but James would find no use for. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. And go. A small book of etiquette. Something. <laughs> You're doing it was 30 seconds gone, James. You got one. Something. Um, mm. How many more ways can I say nothing? 
Um, enthralling listening here. Oh, just something relatable, like uh, like if you're a child, a Game Boy that you can talk about with your friends in normal... Oh, time's up. A Game Boy. You get two. Two points, James. Christmas sack game. Yeah, I find it extraordinarily difficult. Okay, sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll turn the time off. Yeah, I find the sack game yeah, extraordinarily difficult. I'm not really sure if I've ever won to... in nine years. I don't think you have, you know. I don't think you've... I don't think you've really won in life. So basically, for the Christmas special 2022, I think, Dan, you have comprehensively won again. This is fantastic. Maybe it should be up to me to come up with the games that give you an opportunity to win, rather than you come up with games that you absolutely designed for me to lose, yet somehow I still win. Yes, but the difference is that we decided to record today, and mm -hmm. I immediately set about determining how much time there was before that recording, what would be needed in order to have a Christmas yeah, special full God. of games, yeah, and yeah. I went about doing all the things which actually took many hours of my day-to-day. Yeah. -day. yeah, and if I was designing bus timetables for a living, then I probably too would have some time on my hands. <laughs> and you know that that's a cop-out. You know that I'm not sitting here 24-7 working. But the, the psychic energy that goes into what I do is... Great. I'm sure. Um, I just realised I forgot to um, draw attention to this. Um, I Ooh, think yeah, on the spaceship. last small talk, uh, can you see what this is? Yeah, it's, a, it's like a 1950s space rocket, is it? Like, but it's like a stamp, probably, like a kind of an ink stamp. Yes, but it's also a croissant. And oh, le croissant. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of the um, incredibly oh. fancy, luxurious bakeries here in Melbourne where you have to queue nice. for about half an hour with a load of tourists in order to get in. Um, and, uh, I mean, you'd hate it. It's basically, there's nowhere to... There's not friendly and and sort of like... Um, it's, it's like going into a, a, a contemporary art gallery with a big concrete desk reception desk and yeah. sort of like six extremely expensive items of viennoiserie placed like works of art and uh you choose the one that you want to take and the person um goes through a bit of theater of wrapping it up in a box and making you stand aside on a kind of stage waiting for it and they bring it out to you and mm -hmm. you've you've already queued for about half an hour with right. people instagramming and live streaming their experience oh, God. Um, and then there's nowhere to sit so you take it away oh. um but so it's called loon and i was just showing down the logo which is a, basically, a croissant is in the shape, a crescent shape like the moon, and they've also worked that into the shape of a rocket, like a 1950s style sort of cartoon esque rocket. Yeah, Wonderful! It'd be great if the you know the listener could see that, but they can't. <laughs> um, all right, listen. So, so 
far be it from me to be the person to end an episode early, especially at this time of goodwill, uh, humanity, celebration and uh, and love. Um, but I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Thank you so much to the listener. Thank you to you, James, my my co-host. Thank you for all of the preparation you put into those wonderful games that's made it really fun for everyone, you know, the listener, me, for yourself, just for humanity. So thank you so much. Um, and and from me, I'm, I, I, that's all I've got to say. It's like, have a good Christmas. Be safe. God bless. Merry Christmas to all of you. And we'll see you in the new year with our relentlessly continuing uh, <laughs> minute detail of Carl Rogers on becoming a person. But at the same time, in that minute detail, apparently, according to Peter, giving nothing of no context, no relevance, no no depth, and with very little meaning. So thank and you, we, Peter. We promise we will continue as before uh-huh. without changing a thing about the formula yeah thank you to the listeners thank you to do james i have been daniel p brown in the london private practice studio and i've been james hall in on the other side of the world in melbourne australia the time is a minute to midnight and i'm afraid that brings us to the end of our transmissions for today early close down tonight to facilitate engineering work get though to join Tony Mandel at six o'clock on the weekend special program. BBMS broadcasts 24 hours a day from the Fort Knock John, 22 miles from South End in the North Sea. So on behalf of the management and the staff of BBMS 222 Britain's Better Music Station, this is Richard Parr wishing you all, wherever you may be, a very good night, good morning, and bye-bye. Preston from the Ordinary Boys. 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 It's a wonderful story. Oh, there it is. Right where I left it.